This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, podcast friends. Andrew here. I just want to do a quick shameless plug because a little project that I was a part of finally came out and is available for you to see for free. So let me tell you a little bit about it. I was part of a new documentary short produced by the National Film Board of Canada and directed by my friend Jari Osborne called Picture This. Basically, they wanted to do a short documentary about my experiences as a queer disabled person as both a disability awareness consultant and just as as Andrew trying to navigate sexuality, queerness, and disability. And so we spent two years working on it together and a year and a half shooting. And it's gone all over the world in festivals, in Canada, in the U.S., in Australia, and it's won audiences, audience awards. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I just wanted to let you know that you can see it for free. So if you want to see some of what I do as a disability awareness consultant. I know you hear about my sexcapades every week on the show, but if you want to see some of that, you can go on my website, andrewgerza.com, and download the documentary for free. So you can go to andrewgerza.com slash picture this doc and download it completely for free. And then we, and then you can just let me know what you think. You can leave a review. You can tweet me about it. You can send it to your friends. You can share it on social media. I think documentaries like this are really important, and I was really proud to be a part of it. So, once again, you can download Picture This by going to andrewgerza.com slash picturethisdoc. But now, on with the show. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there. Welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am, of course, your... I was trying to think of a disabled pun, but I never can. I always get to this part and I'm like, oh, what do I say? So we'll just stick with... I'm your disabled dreamboat, Andrew Gerza. I am a disability awareness consultant, cripple content creator, and I produce this thing. So I'm excited you're here. Get crimpy, comfy, cozy, and let's get the show started. First things first, gonna put it on gonna put it out there in the universe. I want Disability After Dark to become one of the number one podcasts out there, especially because it deals in disability and we don't hear enough about that in the podcast space. So I want for all of you to please download my podcast, Disability After Dark, tell your friends, review it on all the places, 
and just make the podcast pop. That's that's all I want. And not because I want to be a fame whore. I mean, that'd be nice. But I also want disability stuff like this to be out in the mainstream. So please, before you listen to this episode today, pause, go on your wherever you listen. And if you can rate and review us, please do. Five stars would be amazing. That would really, really help the show, and it would help the show grow, and the algorithm would change, and then disability would be something we'd see more in podcast results, maybe. Maybe? I don't know. But I'm hoping that's what it would be. So, if you could do that, listeners, I would love you to bits. Um, also, I was looking at the show metrics the other day. Still, we have a ton of people in California listening. That's awesome. There are some real... There's, like six people in Russia listening, which I thought was kind of cool, given that the political climate in Russia for queer people or for anybody outside the box is a little bit scary. So to the six people in Russia who listen to this show, thanks. Um, Also to the people in, like, Namibia, there were, like, one or two. In, like, Nicaragua, there were one or two. To you people, thank you so much for listening. I think it's really, really cool when I can see over the world where you're listening and what the downloads are. That's awesome. And again, it's not about being the biggest show, but I love when people listen to the show and it means something to them. That just warms the cockles of my crippled heart. So thanks so much. Okay, um, I've stopped gushing. We'll start now. Not to worry. So for this episode, I sit down with award-winning journalist and author, Bello Cipriani. We talk not so much about his work, but his journey as a blind gay man and how he became blind and how all of that kind of changed the trajectory of his sexuality and what that means for him. And it was a really, really powerful conversation. There's not much more that I can say about it. I mean, content notes, we talk a little bit about some violent things that happened to him a little bit, um, head injuries, head trauma, that kind of stuff. But it was a really powerful and necessary conversation to talk about how people who are blind navigate queerness and sexuality because that's something I haven't really explored really thoroughly on my show. I've had one or two guests with low vision on the show before, but never really explored blindness and queerness in this depth. So I was really, really excited to talk with him, and I'm excited for you to hear the interview. So here's me chatting with award-winning author Bello Cipriani, right here on Disability After Dark. Bello Cipriani, hello. Hello, hello, Andrew. I'm so happy to have you on Disability After Dark, and it's just awesome you're here. And about five seconds before I hit record, we were talking about how your last name sounds (laughs) like a sexy, you sound like a sexy mob boss. You know, I I've heard that multiple times. I um, I don't pronounce my name properly. It's I you know I use the anglicized pronunciation, which is Cipriani, like the soccer player from the UK. He has the same. He's uh, Danny Cipriani. Uh, it, it's supposed to be Capriani, or in Northern Italy, Cipriani. But that's just too hard for people to figure out here in the states. So I just. Try to make it as easy as possible. Well, I mean, Capriani, Capriani sounds kind of hot, too. Like, I would, if some guy was like, hey, my name is Bella Capriani, come back to my house. I'd be like, sure, all right, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to do? Where's my coat? Let's go. <laughs> um, anyway, hello. Welcome to Disability After Dark. 
Thank you. I have to admit that I'm a little um, starstruck just because, you know, I'm, I'm a listener. I listen every week. Um, and so it's, I, you know, um, it's a little surreal to be on your show. So I'm as cheesy as that sounds. I'm really happy. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I, I you know, I do this thing and I never, I never realized that people like actually pay attention to the stuff I put out. So to like, I had somebody last week, I went to an event for like, I went, I went, I was doing a, a, a reading. I was like a part of a, 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 a writer's festival in Toronto and somebody was there. They're like, Oh my God, are you Andrew Gerza? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, I listen to your show. It's amazing to like talk to you. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like they're like, they're like, I'm, I'm fangirling so hard. And I was like, what? <laughs> Over <laughs> me? Like what? Okay, like that's really nice. But really, I'm just a dorky guy who likes to talk about sex. Like, thank you. <laughs> so it always feels super weird to be fangirl over and I'm fangirling over you because like you do really cool things in the literary world about disability which we will definitely for sure get into but you're here today because you are one of like two people on the show that I've ever had who who identifies as having vision loss or being blind and wants to talk about blindness and sexuality so I was like yes I want to have you on the show yes I do um so why don't you introduce? Why don't you like tell us about yourself? Sure. Again, my name is Bello Cipriani. I am 38 years old. Uh, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and I am a writer. I think I do a lot of things. You know, I do uh, journalism. I do um, books. I do different things. I teach. But I think that that's my main medium. Uh, medium is writing, and I write about different things. Uh, a lot of the times, it's disability. Um, and uh, I lost my sight, wow, it's going to be uh, 12 years now, 12 years ago, when I was in my late 20s, and my uh, cause of blindness was an assault, so I got kicked in the head so many times that my retina is detached, and I lost my sight very quickly. I had multiple surgeries, uh, but none of the surgeries were productive, and so um, I went from being able-bodied in my 20s and, you know, thinking the world was my oyster to somebody who the general public didn't know how to even engage in conversation. And so that's really what launched my, my writing career and it's opened up other opportunities. Um, you know, I, I worked for um, some of the radio stations in San Francisco when I was living there. I used to be a columnist for um, the San Francisco Chronicle. So it's really through writing that all these are the things that are amazing that have happened to me. But writing is really how I form my thoughts, how I do some of my advocacy work, and how I, you know, hope to be, you know, um, contributing to the world. It, that's so awesome. And I said, oh, I said, oh, fuck a minute ago, because I, I knew you had lost your vision, but I didn't know how ever. So hearing you tell that story, I was like, oh, wow. What? Like, that's that's a big story to tell. Um, and I'm sorry people are assholes, uh, and I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that you found a way to transform that into something, I won't say positive, but something that, that fulfills your life. Something that I've, you know, you know, not just, you know, once I became blind, I obviously was, you know, very upset, and especially because I lost my sight as a result of other people's, you know, as a result of other people, you know, I could sit here and speculate why did this, this to me. It was a group of men, and to top it off, these were my childhood friends. Come so, on, are you serious? 
And, you know, they were a group of gay men. They were, you know, my best friends in high school, and they were the first guys I came out to. They were, you know, really, when I look at my childhood, my adolescence, they were, like, my core group. And so, you know, I often, you know, uh, refer my experience to, you know, that movie Kill Bill where she was, you know, just really battered, and she was battered by the people who, you know, she was considered her family. And so this was, you know, definitely added to my, my recovery uh, when I was learning to be blind. I also had to you know, learn to trust people, you know, and obviously because of the way I lost my vision, I have PTSD, and I think that's really affected how I interact with other gay men, how I date, you know, how I, how I manage hookups, how I, you know, how I use Grindr, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that, you know, that's really been something that's probably a bigger deal than my blindness, because I think blindness, you know, there's screen readers, there's, you know, canes, there's, there's, I mean, you could get your master's in blind field services, and there's just so much information out there to manage, yeah. you know, these different accommodations, but for PTSD, you know, it's still such a, you know, um, I think it's often misunderstood, and I think that people don't really know how to, you know, deal with it versus, you know, if I tell people, hey, you know, I'm blind, they're like, okay, you know, do you have a dog, do you have a white cane? Etc. When I tell people I have PTSD because of what happened to me, they just freeze. Because then nobody knows it. Like, and especially because what happened to you comes from a community. Like, I again had no idea about the story and the origins of your vision loss. And now that I know, I'm really mad for you that our people from our community, people that you trusted, people that you you know came out to, and were trying trying to build your queer life around, did this to you. You know, I that's basically the, the backdrop for for my first book, uh, Blind and Memoir. And you know, for me, writing that was really learning to talk about my identity. You know, and really being able to um, work, you know, through things that happened to me. Um, and I think that you know, um, as we well, for me as a blind man negotiating the, the visual world that's, I mean, that well, not just the visual, but the, the gay world that's so visual, um, you know, definitely I feel as though that, um, you know, really understanding how the, the community works, the, the LGBTQ community, and, you know, really understanding safety. Yeah. You know, there's certain things I don't do anymore. Like I, you know, um, I was the grand marshal for the San Francisco Gay Pride Parade in um, 2015. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Please, uh, which is sash and colors and please. I was, I was, I felt like a beauty queen, literally. Like I had a sash and I had, was in a little car and I was waving and <laughs> it was, awesome. so it was, it was fun. That's great. But you know, as a rule of thumb, I generally avoid big, big, giant crowds like that just because of safety, you know. Um, if I have to do events and work, I, I, I do them, but sometimes if I, you know, I'm going to a big event like that, I have to really kind of prepare myself. And it's not really, you know, the blindness. It goes back to the PTSD and, you know, feeling safe. And so do you, I'm curious, and as a, as a blind queer person that went through that trauma, do you have, like, trauma being in, like, queer male spaces now because of that? I think that people talk about it, and they talk about it with me a lot, you know, when I do, you know, um, panel discussions, and when I do um, just events in general, people are really open to talking 
you know, um, about that with me. And, you know, I feel that, you know, there's a lot of people who've experienced trauma within at an LGBT within the LGBT community, yeah. you know, especially at LGBT bars. I've met a lot of people who've been assaulted, who, you know, who've had, you know, uh, awful things happen to them in gay spaces or LGBT spaces, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, I'm hoping that with my work I could, you know, bring attention to. And, you know, when I was working with the San Francisco Pride Board um, as their, one of their uh, grand marshals, that's something that I really spoke about about you know not just accessibility but creating a space for people to feel safe and how did the the board of san francisco pride what was their like response to that they were very very responsive you know they they um a lot of the accessibility things that i was asking about were, were new to them you know i was the first um blind grand marshal in the parade's history fucking good for you let's like Big fucking claps for that. That's aw- that's so awesome. Good for you. <laughs> and uh, thank you. And you know, um, it was a first for them as well. And as far as learning to do a lot of these accommodations, and you know, I've spoken to other you know um, disability advocates who who want to help you know the LGBT community be more inclusive. And that's something that comes up a lot. It's like, how do we make these spaces you know more safe? And you know. Um, and I think it's a work in progress. Oh, it totally is. And I think it starts with also like let's remove a lot of the a lot of the white um, <laughs> let's remove some of the white people and let's put more people of color in there, <laughs> and then let's move some of our toxic masculinity away. Like there's many many things we can do to start changing the conversation around accessibility. And it, I think it starts from the top, looking at what's been created. But I do think those conversations are so vital, and the like. The fact that you get to got to do that as the first blind grand marshal in the history of that parade, that makes me so happy because like, I would love to see, you know, other disabled people as well doing that. Like, I'd love us to go together and do a pride as like multiple grand marshals. I was invited this past year to. I was nominated to be the grand marshal for Toronto Pride. I didn't get it, but to even to know that I was nominated as a disabled queer man to go do that is was a huge like wow so many people were really paying attention enough to what I do to have me do that that be that would be awesome but the fact that you got to do it is a huge step forward that's wonderful congratulations uh andrew i mean like you said even just being nominated is an honor and i think that you know we've come such a long way as far as creating more visibility in the lgbtq community that i think every Every step forward is needs to be celebrated. Totally. I mean, we and I agree with you. We have come a long way in creating visibility. The unfortunate other side of that is we want we've created a space for only particular types of visibility. So we're looking at able-bodied white men who are queer coming out and telling their stories. But like that's that's celebrated. The minute you throw in disability or any kind of other um, marginalization or experience then it's like whoa this is too much to do with how do we manage that so yeah we've come a long way but we have a lot more to do and i mean lgbtq community like we're here and we 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 want to be hired to help you so let us know (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know um i i haven't i used to do a lot of stand-up i just kind of 
got wrapped up in other projects and I remember doing stand up in um in San Francisco and you know um I didn't you know have you to submit a, wow yeah yeah I know you know that that was actually like my my first step into doing anything public when I was a teenager uh I was a, a gay teen and I was in San Francisco I lived in San Jose but I used to take the the train up to the city and I was a Castro kid you know and I was like 15 16 going to the bars because <laughs> they weren't carting this was the 90s they, oh my god tell me all those stories <laughs> start from the beginning tell me all those stories <laughs> right and so um I would start doing, you know, comedy, and I kept doing comedy, and once I became blind, and, you know, I started saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm blind, and, you know, I'm, I'm gay, and I'm Jewish, and I'm all these different things, and so Hold on, I'm, you're Jewish too? I didn't know you were one of us. <laughs> I am a Sephardic Jew. Welcome to the club. Hi, well, obviously not welcome, but hello. <laughs> exactly. We're all in it together. Right. Um, and so, um, I remember... A couple of years ago, you know, doing my skit, and the guy who is, you know, the the, the um, producer of the show said, you know, you're great, but come on, you're Jewish and gay and blind, and that's just too much for people. Can you just pick one? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, I can't. Fuck you. Thanks. Exactly. You know, and this came from like you know uh, a a person who identifies as a person of color and who's LGBT. And I'm like, well, that's like me asking you to just pick one. Like, come on. You know, I mean, that's not like. No, I'm not gonna pick one impression because like I I like my mark. Like, for me, my, my I'm I'm a queer crippled Jew, and I make the really like off color joke, and it's a horrible, it's a horrible joke but i'll make it because it's relevant to what we're talking about i always make the joke like hey if it was if it was like 1945 poland i'd be the first to go because i'm queer crippled and jewish um <laughs> but but like that's just that's just our reality um but i think in today's climate like no you have to celebrate that stuff and i'm glad that you're gay disabled and blind and and blind and jewish i'm glad that all those things make up who you are and i think we need to celebrate that I think for me, you know, um, I being part of the other was being Jewish. You know, I, I grew up in California, in San Jose, California, where predominantly was, you know, the, the population is Portuguese and Mexican, very Catholic. And I was always, you know, the minority. I was, I think, every year I was always the only Jewish kid in my court, in my class. And they were all celebrating Christmas and they would just ask me, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, they would, my classmate would say, what, you know, why aren't you normal? Oh, you know, wow. and this came from other kids. I just didn't know what to say. And it was, you know, thank God that I had a mother who was says, you are, you are who you are. And, you know, there's no normal or abnormal. You just are, you know. And so then when I became a teenager and I came out when I was 15. Me too. Yeah, big year, right? <laughs> and uh, people then people started asking, you know, why can't you just be normal? You know, and then when I became disabled in my twenties, people were just saying you're not normal. Oh. You know, and so <laughs> so like I your whole life, the idea of normality has been like follow you around. Exactly, you know. So I think that it's really, you know, my Jew, my experience as a, you know, as a Sephardic Jew, as a Jewish person, um, really helped me kind of prepare for everything else that came afterwards. Totally. So I mean, are you? 
Like I'm I'm Jewish, but I'm only Jewish when somebody's like, "Hey, there, there's gefilte fish over there. There's lukas. Want to go eat?" Then I'm then I'm, I'll be your biggest Jewish best friend. But in terms of like religious practice, it's not my jam. Um, is the religious part of it something you you follow? I've had kind of like my ins and outs, you know, with uh, with the practice. And, you know, keep in mind that I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area where I went to the gay temple, you know, with uh, with, a, with a woman rabbi who's a lesbian. And, you know, so my version of going to shul, <laughs> going to temple is very different, you know. And I didn't really recognize that until... Um, I left the Bay Area and I started going to the parts of the world and the country and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are hardcore, you know. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, definitely. So I think that my idea of being practicing Maryla is very, not the mainstream, you know, not the, you know, what's common within Judaism, you know. Um, I don't know how many gay temples there are in the country, but... I wouldn't be surprised that there's not that if there isn't that many, and so that's kind of where I got my foundation. So I know that my philosophy on that is probably very different. Definitely, for sure. Um, also, you have a really good voice. You need to have a podcast. I think we should talk about that later because <laughs> I used to I used to work in radio, so I was um, a correspondent for the Ed Baxter Show on iHeartMedia in San Francisco, and you know, that came about very randomly where he called me because he wanted some stats on a story when I was working for the Chronicle and he recruited me and I did that for um, for about two seasons um, and I enjoyed doing it. I just, you know, I think it, I just need to, like you said, buckle down and, you know, make it a priority because I, I, I think I would have fun with it. Well, let me know because, I mean, we need more, like, disability representation, especially in the podcast space. So, like, if you, that's, something you want to do like i've been producing this one on my own for a couple years now so let me know if uh if you want to do that i will holler awesome also your voice is giving me boners so there's that too (laughs) (laughs) um so so okay so now that i understand a little bit about how your blindness came to be how do you like like sexuality especially in in queer male spaces it's it's such a visual thing like we look at bodies we look at like dicks we look at like that kind of stuff. So how does, how did your queerness and your, before your blindness came to be, how, how has it changed? I felt that when I um, lost my sight, I went through a second adolescence. You know, I had this body and I needed to learn how to use it with these new circumstances. You know, um, but that aside, I had to change a lot of who I was just because of how my disability, you know, um, how I negotiate the world with my disability. So let me take a step back. You know, when I was sighted, I was, you know, very much, you know, the person in charge. You know, I was the one who was, you know, walking around the bar, just smiling at people, you know, hey, can I buy you a drink? That kind of thing. Here's my number. I was, you know, always making the first move. And once I became blind, I couldn't really do that. I tried. It just wasn't, you know, I would go into bars like, hey, you can, people would just think I was talking to myself, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I could try, you know, it just wasn't very effective. So I kind of felt that I had to go from, okay, I can't do, can't make the first move, but, you know, 
how do I stand out now from the crowd? And it was something I never really had to worry about just because I was on the other end, you know. And so I kind of felt like I had to learn how to be a peacock, you know, in, in the very visual world, you know. And for, you know, as you as you understand, especially like in gay spaces, like it's, yeah, you have to stand out visually, you know, to be noticed sometimes. Totally. You totally do. You have to be the loudest, most, like, aggressive, most, like, I'm down to do all the things, here I am, like, even if you don't want to be, like, I'm a shy, quiet person that if, like, a dude was, like, hey, want to watch some Netflix, I'd be, like, sure, that's my jam, but in gay spaces, I feel like I have to be, like, hey, my dick's huge, too, even if I'm not, even if that's not how I really am feeling that day. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I've, I've, I've been there, too, where, you know, um, I, I remember... A couple of years ago, I was, you know, going to go to a bar with a couple of friends for a birthday. And, you know, my friend looked at me and he says, what? That shirt you're wearing is really baggy. And I said, oh, I'm just kind of, I'm not feeling well. Then he said, you know, no one's going to talk to you wearing that baggy shirt. You know, and I'm like, oh, crap, I have to wear like a little tank top. And, you know, I wasn't feeling it, but, <laughs> you know, it was like, do you want someone to talk to you? And, you know, and sometimes I don't, you know, yeah. sometimes I go there and like I'm wearing like, I don't know, like... I'll wear my sweats and be like, if I want to talk to you, like, I'll, I'll do that. Otherwise, like, bye. Exactly, you know? So, um, I, I think there's some of that negotiating. Like, you know, how much do I want to stand out today? Or, or do I want to stand out at all? I mean... <laughs> I mean, when I go to bars, I'm always like, please, somebody, please, somebody approach me. Like, I don't want to have to do all the work. I would love it if somebody who would, would approach me in a bar who wasn't an asshole, who didn't whose first question wasn't, does your dick work? And whose first question was like, hey, do you want to like go over there and make out? I would die. I would fall apart, but that's never happened. What's happened to me a lot is that, you know, people who are blind have been part of, you know, culture for a while. I mean, there's reference to blind people in every religious text you know, and in stories. And I think that people often romanticize blindness, you know, and so usually when people who are rude or people who are just, you know, obnoxious to me or people who come up to me and just say, hey, I want to fuck a blind guy, like it's on, on their bucket list, you know? And that's always, I always find that annoying. But something that's... But, like, but okay, I have, so, I have so many questions. Like, what is the, like, romanticized version? Like, Why? I think that, you know, um, people feel that, you know, or it just in my experience, because I've said, oh, so like, you know, <laughs> I was with this guy, you know, and in the middle of, you know, getting busy, you know, and he was on top of me and, you know, he was like, oh, my God, this is so hot. I'm sure you could hear my heart beating. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like. I'm not a telescope. <laughs> and I wasn't listening for that. Like, I'm, you're, yeah, you're definitely not a, te not a stethoscope. And you weren't listening. Like, you were listening for his, like, sex noises, not his heart. Yeah, you know, so it's just people romanticize their abilities. As, uh, or at least that's been my experience. People think that I have bionic hearing, that, you know, um, I don't know. I think it, it's usually comes around hearing and things that I could do. You know, um, you know the way I touch things. Like, can you feel? Um, 
So like, I don't know. Are people expecting you to like feel their face? Is like, are they expecting you to do those? Because you know, in like in like comedy or sitcoms, when they introduce like a blind character, they always like over exaggerate. Like, oh my god, touch my face and like feel my face so you can feel what I look like. I have to step take a step back with the whole feeling the face thing. You know, I would say that ninety percent of the time that people who say, "Hey, touch my face." Are people who I probably I didn't want to touch at all, <laughs> <laughs> and you know uh, sometimes you know we as far also as also turn the title of this episode into I don't want to touch your face <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and um, I think that you know uh, I almost lost I lost my train of thought here. Oh, we were talking about the touching of the face. You know, yeah. So um, I don't know. Like you're as a blind person. You know, you're looking to get information. You're, I, I call myself a, de- a detective, right? And I have all these clues. And with those clues, I'm trying to solve what's in front of me. I'm trying to either create a picture, figure something out. And so, you know, sometimes touching someone's faces, you know, is, you know, you get idea of, you know, how old they are, you know. But it doesn't give you a perfect, crisp picture. No, and I mean, it wouldn't because... Why would it? Exactly. And like the expectation that that you just should because you're the blind person is, is super rude. Like you don't, you don't, <laughs> you shouldn't be expected to touch anybody's anything if you don't want to. <laughs> you know, I when I was newly blind, it took me about a year to figure out that I could say no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, you know, at that time, I was, I felt like I was in that. Like, I was 15 again, and I was, you know, 15 was my big growth spurt. I grew, like, and I'm not very tall. I was, like, super short as a kid. I was always the shortest kid in class. I was, like, 4'11", like, forever. And then, like, then I grew, like, five inches, which I is a lot, totally you know? dated you in high school. <laughs> and, um, and, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, so, uh, so when I was uh, a teenager, you know, I had this, I grew really tall, I had to change my clothes and figure out, you know, what to do now. And when I was nearly blind, I had to go through that all over again. And so it was just kind of learning, like, hey, when do I say no? When do I say, okay, is this really what I want to do? You know, I generally don't like to touch people's faces. You know, now I'm able, I'm at the point in my life where I could say, you know, I'm okay. But it took me a while. Good, because, like, I mean, it's just, I just think it's rude. And I just think the way that the popular media, like, glamorizes that thing about blindness and makes it a whole part of, like, I'm thinking of, like, so many movies and shows right now in my head that, like, that's the common thing. And so to know that, to know that you have the power to say no to that is important. Um, Tell me more about, like, hooking up as a blind man. Tell me, like, what, what that's like for you. You know, a lot of it is affected by accessibility. You know, not a lot, not every website and app um, and digital platforms is accessible to the blind. You know, um, and I think it's even worse, like within, you know, gay websites and gay themed, you know, apps. Um, I often have to call and say, "Hey, you know, this is not working. Can you change this? Can you add this?" And sometimes they say, "Yes, absolutely, we want to work with you." And sometimes I don't even get a response. So it's like all over the map. And um, you know, the the what I use to meet people and to date guys and to hook up is dependent on accessibility. Um, 
but I feel that for me, you know, I, I was on Grinder, you know, I have a few Grinder adventures, but for me, what really worked was the uh, meetup. You know, go sign, go do a meetup and meet online first, and people knew that I was blind, and you know, through my chat and profile. But then when we meet up in person, they already were like emotionally prepared, I guess. And things just, I, I just always had good time with meetups, and and I made, I've met a lot of great people through that space. That's awesome because I that space never really worked for me, so I'm glad that it worked for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell me, tell me more about like the inaccessibility of apps, like how. For you as a blind person, how are the how like I think I know, but just so that I don't get it wrong and I don't assume anything. How are they not accessible for you? Well, sometimes I think the biggest thing is you know our buttons. Sometimes like you're navigating the website or the app and you're you're scrolling or swiping, you know, and you come across something that says button, button, button. I'm like, what button is this? You know, I want to press someone's buttons, but I don't know what I'm pressing. You know, <laughs> so um, that's probably a big one. You know. Um, with some of the the dating sites or the hookup sites, you know, people are posting their pictures and, you know, I can't tag them, you know, or they don't tag them. And and I don't know what the picture is, you know. So sometimes I've had people, um, you know, message me and say, hey, how are you? And then we have great conversations. And then, later, you know, 30 minutes later, they say, you know, you're very nice. I never thought I would meet somebody, uh, someone so nice, you know, with my dick pic. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I had no idea it was your dick pic. I was chatting with that. Oh. <laughs> but uh, you know it just worked out that way so again I go back to being a detective right so I'm like okay you know I don't know what this pe- per- person's you I know mean, picture is I guess but... in that case you're a detective oh, yeah yeah probably too you know and I, I don't know I'm I just need to kind of you know I have especially as somebody who used to be blind who used to be sighted and is not blind I used to you know I'm used to have the visual visual confirmation of stuff and so i think in my i'm still wired like a sighted person so i i my goal is to form pictures in my mind and so um with a lot of the the apps you know i don't obviously don't rely on images but i i do read the about you know the um the about sections and anything else they want to do so So. what you're saying is like when dudes on grinder dudes on grinder will send like no no about just like they'll expect you to know everything about who they are from a picture that's not accessible for you. So you like, you want somebody like like on Scruff when they send you when they when they write like five paragraphs. That's actually good for you because it gives you all the information you need. Yeah, definitely. So you hear that, boys? Don't just put a fucking picture of your hot abs on the grinder and expect us all to be able to do that. Write a fucking paragraph so that <laughs> Bello can flirt with you properly, please, like, accessibly. I think that uh, one of the weirdest thing is that, you know, uh, with my gay friends, you know, we go out and stuff and we talk about who knows who's, who pops up on their app. And there's this one guy who, you know, everybody kept talking about. And I guess he was new in town and like, he's so hot, he's so hot. And I said, what's his screen name? And I didn't realize that I've been chatting with him for like weeks and I didn't know that he was that hot because his images, they were just images. There is no, no information. So my friend's like, oh, my God, he's chatting with you. He's been ignoring me for, like, you know, two weeks. And so, you know, it goes back to uh, I was just chatting him because he was nice and we chatted. But I wasn't really planning on, you know, acting or meeting him just because he didn't have any information. 
Yeah, and and then and then he it sort of didn't become accessible to you. So like again, everybody on the Zavs put a fucking at least like two sentences in there so we can know who you are. It would help Bello be able to decide if he wants to suck your dick later or not. <laughs> um, do you have any like other funny stories about like when you became blind and were trying to hook up like that you want to share about how all that stuff like how, like can you walk me through like a blind hookup like in case you, you meet this person you've agreed you're there things are going to go down what does it look like I think that you know, I always brought people to my home that, you know, um, I think a couple of times I would go to a guy's house and I would get lost in their house, <laughs> you know, and I wanted to be cool about it. So like, so you didn't I went to the like, back. Hey dude, I'm lost. Exactly. So I would, um, you know, <laughs> I would go, I need to, you know, go to the bathroom and like try to open head back to the bedroom and end up in the kitchen and they're like why are you in the kitchen I was like, oh i was thirsty yeah <laughs> and I was like, you know i was not very good about it you know it was like that whole you know um i i, I guess is that you know um there is some ableism there in my part right that i didn't want to totally inter- totally internalize ableism because because you want to be because you know what you're there for you're not there to be their boyfriend or their best friend you're there to be you're there to fuck so like you want to maintain some like dignity and independence and so yeah it totally it totally works that way and i think things really changed for me you know uh once i got a guide dog because now i have to think okay is this person allergic to dogs Can, you know am i gonna bring the dog to their home or if they come to my home then it's easier you know for the dog yeah. you know if i'm out and about and because you know sometimes you know where things are going to be often what i found out is when i ever i quote unquote planned to have a hookup like okay you know waxing you know doing all the things that you do and who shaving you, and, hang on and, no, no 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 waxing why you know i don't it was just some people do you know waxing manscaping you know shaving it's see i'm i'm a, I'm a bear in a chair in every sense of the word so waxing was like nope it's what i got this is what you're dealing with thanks my <laughs> i think as I've gotten older, I cut back on some of that, and I think it's just because I got lazy. Not <laughs> uh, but I, I think that you know, with some of the, again planning with when I would plan for a, a hook, I would really say, "Hey, I'm ready. I'm looking for it." Nothing happened. It always happened when I was like, you know, I don't know, not ready or not thinking. I was in the most odd places, like, you know, I. I I remember going to this like nonprofit, you know, to tutor, and um, <laughs> leaving the tutoring place, and you know, um, meeting somebody right there who was, you know, just lost. Hey, where's this address? And I say, where's this address? And you know, we ended up, you know, exchanging numbers, and like two hours later, we were busy. You know, Does it's that like ever happened in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like wearing my, you know gym clothes and I just I don't know I just I just feel that it always happens when I least expect it see I have to plan that shit out like I'm a planner like like, let's like here's here's the schedule here are the times will be happening boom 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 this like from this time to this time I will have my dick in your mouth and then at this moment this will like I have to plan everything out so (laughs) 
I think that's just part of this, you know, having a disability. I mean, there's so much of our lives that we have to, you know, we have to consider, right? And yeah. so for me, you know, my guide dog and, you know, feeling safety and, you know, I live, you know, at that point in San Francisco, I was living in a community where I needed to, you know, give someone the password. Can I really give someone the password to enter my building? You know, should I meet that? You know, so um, I think it definitely it's, I try to plan as much as I can too, but sometimes, you know, it just kind of happened. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the spontaneity is hot. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm there for that. Uh, how do you, like, how do you disclose that you're a blind person on the apps or when you're, like, setting up the hookup? Like, because for me as a wheelchair user, like, I disclose pretty, <laughs> pretty readily. Like, my, all my hookup names right now are Thick Dick Crip. Um, <laughs> so people know right away pretty much that I'm a wheelchair user. Um, how how would you kind of disclose that to them? Um, I I've gone through phases. So there was phases where like I didn't disclose it because I thought you know it wasn't the safe thing to do. You know, um, and and then I got to you know sometimes meeting people who would say, oh, that's not gonna work for me. You know. Um, and so I think now, just to avoid that, I just put it all out there. You know, hey, you know, I'm, I have a you know visual disability. You know, I'm still able to go out and meet you, or, or meet elsewhere, or you know, and offer this and this. And I'm very clear and specific, just so there's no none of that. You know, me having to disclose later, which didn't pan out too well for me. Yeah, it never really tends to when you like try to be like, I'm not gonna say it now, but I'll say it when they get here, and I'll just see the reaction because then you have to deal with, like, the trauma of them being like, oh, sorry, bye. Mm-hmm. And all the pain that comes with that. I'm, I'm curious, though. We were talking about Dick a minute ago, and I want to go back to, <laughs> to that for just a second. So, like, you said before you became blind, you were a really visual person. So, like, looking at a cock, you would, you know, visualize it as we all do. Now that you're blind, when you're with somebody and you're hooking up, like, how does your understanding of, like, the male form change or has it changed or I think that it's pushed me to slow down you know I think now I really take my time I think that the thought when I was sighted there was a lot of this like okay I got I got 20 minutes you know before I have to (laughs) be somewhere else you know it was so easy you know at the gym you know I mean just Especially living, exactly, living in San Francisco, you know, as a guy, gay guy in their 20s, it was just like a recipe for, you know. All the dicks in all the places. <laughs> exactly right for, you know, come up with all the, you know, I played Twister once, you know, went to a party where we put naked Twister and, you know, Shit 10 down. minutes, we're all getting busy, you know. So um, when I lost my sight, it really pushed me to slow down. You know, and really take my time, and I definitely like to. And I, you know, I'm very clear. You know, I'm I'm blind. I need to touch you. I need to explore your body. You know, it's not gonna be a 15 minute thing. No, it's like it's like sensuality, and it sounds like that sensuality is also like a form of safety for you because by touching them and being that close to them, you also can determine whether it's a safe space for you to be in. Absolutely. That I mean. I just think it's, I think it's really hot that, like, you, I think slowing down, I think we all should do more of that, and the rush to, like, get somebody's 
dick out and start sucking dick, which is hot, which can be totally hot. And I get that. And anybody who's doing that, good for you. But like the slowness of like being with somebody in that moment and like teasing that out can be really hot. Like, does that is that kind of what happens to you when you hook up now? Yes, and I had a doctor. You know, when I um when I lost my sight, they try to do everything to you know restore it. And so I, I was seeing every doctor in the West Coast, you know. And I met with this uh, brain trauma because I'm actually, you know, um, I'm also like a a head trauma, considered head trauma survivor because of um, how I lost my vision. And there's some side effects from that too. You know, I have vertigo and other things that people just associate with my blindness, but it's actually because of, you know, my head injury. And um, the doctor said, you know, the way the the brain takes information, 80% is through your your vision and the other twenty percent is distributed through your other senses. Once you lose your sight, the other senses go through every wiring phase, and you never really know what's going to be the most dominant. And for me, what ended up being more dominant is my sense of smell, to the point that when I became blind, I had to change my deodorant because it made me sick. Wow. And so, I'm super super sensitive to smell, you know. And so to really take the time to really know someone's smell and i know it's not like a wolf right <laughs> uh it's to, hot, you know though, actually because I mean, like in queer male spaces right now smells a big like thing it's a big like hey want to be like a musky like daddy smell like or want to be like right pits bullshit like that kind of stuff so like you actually you're actually like right in the cusp of like some <laughs> some leather daddy realness stuff happening you know what's interesting is because people don't real don't realize how much what they eat affects how they smell. You know, like yeah. there was this this one guy who I met and he was like really really muscular. He was, you know, and had been like an athlete so life, like very tough leather daddy and had, you know, chaps and he had like super muscular. But to me he smelled like strawberry. And I asked him like do you put lotion on? Like, no, I just, you know. Then I found out he was vegan. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, your smell makes me giggle. Like, I'm not getting, like, the way you feel does not match your smell. Like, I feel like I'm making that, like, with, with like, a muffin. With strawberry shortcake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> no, that's... The title of this episode might also be, I think I'm making out with a muffin. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is about all this is that even right now as I'm sitting here, I think that probably smell is like something that really switches from switches me from like, hello to, oh, hello, <laughs> you know? And I think I, that it's really probably for me is crucial. So okay, going down that pathway then, what kind of smells like get your get you hard? You know, I like things that are earthy. Okay. You know, and so um there is, you know, um I don't know, like earthy, woodsy, you know, I don't citrus is fine. Um I don't like things that are rich like vanilla or straw those things just kinda they don't excite me that way. <laughs> so you you want, like, so if a guy said, hey, I'm not going to wear deodorant and I'm going to just come over and we're going to do the things, like, is that what you're after? Or would you want something that was, like, manufactured to smell earthy? 
it's usually a mixture, you know, um, depending on what they put on, you know, it, it comes down to, um, how it mixes with their skin. You know how, like when you wear, you could, some two people could wear the same cologne and it smells differently on each one Yeah. because of their own sweat and, you know, balance. It really comes down to like, you know, biology, right? Like, you know, how it mixes in, like there is this one guy that he actually was my boyfriend for, uh, for a while. And, you know, he didn't, you know, um, wear cologne you know he'll wear very basic deodorant and but he ate a lot of citrus stuff i mean he was like orange juice and making smoothies and his smell was just like this combination of like trees and i don't know like it made me just want to go in my room and you know what what do you call it the turtle position <laughs> just like yeah it just makes me just want to be a turtle because i'm just like okay you're in control. Just I'm have your way with it. Yeah. Just do what you want. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And I like that we brought the dead turtle position back because it's been a while. So. It needed to have its little comeback. I'm glad that it returned. Um, uh, so what are some of the things that you wished that the LGBTQ culture understood about blindness and sex? Because really, that's something we don't really talk about a lot in our in our queer culture. We talk a lot right now. There's a big push for like within the deaf community to have integration, but I'm not hearing a lot about blindness. So if you could talk to like the blind and queer communities together, what are some things you wish they knew? I think that um, it goes back to accessibility. You know, so many times I there's a new, you know, club or an event happening and I go to the website and I can't even buy a ticket, you know, and I have to, you know, find a way to contact somebody there which is sometimes not easy and I think that sometimes just getting to a place is hard you know being even to just buy the ticket or you know um, accessibility you know physical accessibility is big too it's like you know um, is do you have a place that's less you know not as loud in some of those big bars you know um, here in Minneapolis, we have some pretty pretty big clubs. We have uh, the legendary Gay 90s, which is, you know, they have all these different rooms. And that's one of the reasons I, I like going there is because um, when things get too loud, there's another room I could go to. Um, but I really feel that just look at accessibility, you know, as far as websites, you know, um, spaces, that that's huge. Yeah, like, like definitely if you can't, if you can't, even get on the website to buy a ticket, then then like then that's shitty. Like we gotta we gotta fix that. Like that needs to be. And how so? How could a how could a venue? Like what do they have to do to like make sure that it's accessible for you? The websites need to be you know tagged properly first for screen readers, and it's not just screen readers. You know, there's people using other you know um, software. People who navigate you know um, you know with uh, web software for people who uh, need, you know, uh, curse while or, or any other type of condition, reading condition, um, such as dyslexia. But I think that, you know, just tagging images, making sure that um, they're not using, that they're using, you know, uh, real text, they're not using images to convey information, uh, make sure the contact information is easy to access, you know. Um, so it just comes down to just you know your basic your baseline of you know ADA accessibility buttons images and text. And so like so you were talking a minute, a minute ago about images and stuff. And so when we talk on Grinder, like 
when you want to talk about dicks are like coming and so there's all those emojis you can use as a blind person like do emojis piss you off because you can't access them you know um some of the emojis are becoming accessible so um on different platforms they are so when we were trying to connect earlier i knew that i had sent you a monkey and i sent you a dancing um what was that Dancing I forget. Like monkey or something? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so um, it was either that or what was it? Like a sad face. So I thought a monkey was nicer. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's not such a big thing. But I think that, you know, images, you know, um, on a website, especially for events, you know, like if I want to buy a ticket, if I want to give you my money for something, I mean, I want to be able to know what I'm getting. So that's big for me. And like, let us give you our money. Disabled people have money, and, like, you should let us spend it, because we have buying power, and gay disabled people have lots of buying power, so target us, please. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the projects that you and I have worked on, and why I love talking to you is because we, you and I know each other, like, I don't even remember how we connected. I think we connected through a thing I did for, like, a Canadian company a few years ago, and they put us together, um, and we, we've just kind of like known each other, we've been on each other's radars for a couple years now, and one of the projects that we worked on together is an anthology that you just recently released called, and it's an anthology by disabled people called First, and I was honored to be a part of that, and I was honored to be asked to submit something and put a little story in there. Um, in the book, I wrote a story about my first time with a man, and I called it Bearing It All, so tell me, what was your first time as a blind person like? It's my first time happened because of um, a piece of mail that I got. So one morning I got up, I was like 14 or 15, and there was a little thing in the mail, and it was like a little disc that said AOL. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? And And I'm like, you know, it was the mid-90s, and I was like, hey, mom, can I do this? And I'm like, sure, knock yourself out, you know, <laughs> here's my credit card. And I discovered, you know, uh, gay chat rooms, and, and um, I, that's how I actually met, you know, my, my, my first boyfriend. And Wow. Uh, and so we... You literally had a Meg Ryan moment? I did. That's why when you did that show uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And so... <laughs> I totally did, you know, and it was so weird because, you know, like shortly after my experience, I saw the movie and it just became like, you know, my experience. The movie was like, this is me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so, you know, put my little, little, little round disc in the computer and had my little um, username and started chatting. I met this guy uh, from the East Coast and we started chatting and we were talking for about, you know, I would say two months, and he said, you know, I'm going to come meet you, and he was the same age, you know, I was. We were, you know, teenagers, and he flew out here wow. to San Francisco, to the, you know, California. At that time, I was living in San Francisco. I was, you know, he flew to the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. By himself and, at 15? Uh, no, he was, he's older. He was uh, two years old. I mean, he was 17. Okay, so he could easily, okay, that makes, that makes more sense. That's gonna be like, yeah, exactly. Gonna be like, wow, that's, that's really, <laughs> a, wow. And so he flew out here, and, you know, we got a hotel, and, you know, we we got busy. So um, that's how kind of, that, you know, it was very total, you know, Meg Ryan, you know, you've got mail. It was that's the gay version of that. That's amazing. 
Um, can, do you have a story of like when you when you first became blind? Do you can do you remember your first time after that happening? <laughs> so when I became blind, um, a lot of people didn't know what to do with me, you know. And I'm talking about just people in my community because I said I was very active. I was all over the bar scene. I was, you know, everywhere, and yeah, you know, you sounded like you were an awesome slutty friend, and we would have been best friends. It would have been great. Yeah, that's what you sound like. <laughs> and you know, then I went back. You know, then I showed up again with you know a white stick, and people just did not know what to do with me. And so there was a couple people who would say who were acquaintances, you know, and to say, hey, I'm sorry that happened, you know, do you want to fuck? You know, I feel bad for you, do you want to fuck? And I was like, sure, uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like the first couple of times were totally, like, you know, like, very exploratory in the sense that, you know, I was with people who didn't know what they were, you know, what they were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, but you had no idea how to, like, navigate this whole, like, this whole thing again. You know, some of them were very hot and some of them were just plain awkward. Awkward can be hot, but they don't always go together. No, they don't. Like, you know, like, <laughs> this one guy, you know, he meant well, but, you know, he was somebody that I just kind of knew, you know, from the gym. And once he saw me blind, he's like, oh, you know, I let me offer myself to you, you know? Uh, how did Which you I was respond like, when guys were like, let me just, I feel so bad for, like, part of me is like, part of me wants you to be like, fuck you, no, I don't need your pity sex. But also, it's dick, so sure. It, it was all over the place because sometimes, you know, what I had gone through was it affected my mood a lot, right? So sometimes I was, you know, hey, this is what I'm dealt with, need to deal with it. And other times, like, this sucks, I don't want to do anything today. And it was very, each day was different. So sometimes I was like, no, thank you, I'm just not in that space. And other times it was like, sure, why not? You know, I've been wanting you for three years now, like, sure, <laughs> that worked out. Um, it's a really, it really, it was all over the place, but like I was saying with, with this one guy, you know, he um, he uh, actually, when we went back to his place, he said, hey, you know, I prepared the house for you. He had put, he had like nailed blankets all around his walls and put uh, all that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I should be like, is it a sweet thing he did or is that really horrible? I, you know, I was, when I first got there, I was angry. I was like, I don't need this. You know, I was, you know, still dealing with a lot of that stuff. And I was yeah. like, I don't need this. I don't need that. And then I was like, and now in retrospect, I just thought, I think it's funny. But, um, and I didn't need those things. And I showed him, like, I don't need this stuff, you know. And I, I, I prepared just, the house for you. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I get, I get where, I, I, I can see what, like, what he was trying to do. And, like, I did an episode a few weeks ago where I talked about, like, how to prepare your house for a hookup with a disabled person. Um, <laughs> but, like, maybe ask them first before you, like, start doing the things like I suggested in, in that show. Like, if you're going to fuck a wheelchair user, maybe, like, get a ramp. Maybe, like, have your friends on hand. Like, have somebody ready to get them in the house. Like, that makes sense. But he doesn't know what your level of ability is or not is. Like, he, so he got... <laughs> blankets and put them all over what the wall they were on the wall all over the furniture he had put it on sharp sharp corners oh. you know and i was i was angry i was when i got those like i'm not three years old you know and because all this what if you like, need the walls to feel like okay forgive my ignorance i'm not a person who's blind so i don't know i don't know and i don't know what you're like 
the full extent of what you can and cannot see. Um, you, but like, what if you need the what if you need to feel the wall to know where the corner is? I trace the walls all the time. You know, I I used to be all about stuff on my walls. Now my walls are pretty pretty bare. <laughs> you know, I use you know things here and there, but um, and it's because I do trail the wall. So um, my uh, visual acuity is I am um, I'm a total, and it's because of my trauma. You know, my my retinas were too scarred, so I have no vision at all. So everything's pitch black for me. But I'm a minority. I'm only about seven percent of you know the blind community, and right. so most people who are blind have some level of vision, whether it's just movement or color or light perception. And so even when I hang out with my blind friends, I am the most blind one. So <laughs> did you take that as a source of pride? Being like, I'm the because you were like I am the most blind one. <laughs> exactly. Can you just see that the like glow with sparkles and the, you know like. <laughs> The most. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'm very aware of that, you know, often people say, oh, I have a friend who's blind. I know this. I'm like, oh, they probably had some vision and I'm not like them. You know, I, I don't see anything at all. Yeah, like, that's really nice to have a blind friend, but you don't know me. So how about you don't make assumptions until you know, like, if I'm going to suck your dick right now, please don't tell me how your other blind friend and me should know each other. <laughs> like, pro crip tip. Don't fucking tell me about your other disabled friend as we're about to get down. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, one of the, thing, the things you mentioned to me, Bello, is that you just recently got engaged. I did. That's oh. awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. You know, it's... It's very, it's still new, and, um, you know, I'm very excited, and it feels so real, you know, and um, I'm engaged to uh, uh, my my partner, and he um, he's also uh, blind. He, he has some, he's low vision, actually, and so for me, it was very neat to find somebody who we have so much in common, you know, um, in addition to all our hobbies and things, we also have that. You know, we we use we use the same software to navigate our computers. We oh, you know uh, exactly, um, and you know he is a cane user, but um, you know we just have a lot of things to talk about. And sometimes, you know, when I things get frustrating for me, you know, it's very comforting when I say to him, you know, this happened, and he's like, oh, that sucks. I I understand. I know that he does. Yeah, he has like he has a very similar experience to you, so you can, you can like it's it's so nice to talk to another disabled person about ableism and shit that we experience because, like, you sit there and you can actually be yourself for a minute and go like, hey, this shitty thing happened and I want to talk about it. And now your husband can share that with you, so it's awesome. No, um, and we we met in San Francisco and. Uh, he left his apartment in San Francisco and his life and his friends to move to Minneapolis to be with me. And so that's just huge. You know, I, I've never had that in, in my life. Someone, you know, take a step back from their world to, you know, make a new one with me. So that was oh, very big. My heart just like swelled. My heart just like grew like 10 sizes. That's awesome. Um, well, one of the questions that I wrote here was share how your disability played a role in that, but you've... <laughs> You've kind of just told us that you're that it totally does, and I kind of love that 
you're both disabled. Yeah, and it's not like I, you know, woke up one day and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna get a, a blind man." It wasn't <laughs> that way at all, you know. Oh, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get one of those blind ones. <laughs> I'm gonna get me one of those right now, um, and <laughs> it just sort of happened, you know. And I met him through a friend, who, not even a friend, a Facebook friend. So, um, you know, it was something that I, it, it was very spur of the moment, and I wasn't looking for it. I had just end my previous relationship, but you know, ended very tragically, oh, and so I was just, yeah. you know, exactly, you know, and um, and I was just, you know, it just happened to be somebody who was blind. But I've always been open, you know, um, and I've dated men with other disabilities. I, I dated um. A deaf guy once, um, and so I did learn sign language. I mean, I was committed, um, and you know, we didn't work out, but it wasn't because of that. Um, I flirted with a deaf guy once, and he tried to teach me sign language, and it was, and I, I genuinely want to learn, but I have spastic hands, so like, there's no way in fuck that I'm ever gonna be able to make those signs because I'm just really spastic. There's no way. So, I'm glad that you learned, because I definitely can't. No, so um, back to I've always just been open, you know. Hey, um, if you ever want to mess around with a wheelchair user, <clears throat> hi. Well, I gotta say now that I know that you're a good Jewish boy. <laughs> I never said I was a good Jewish boy. I'm a Jewish boy, and certainly there's not there's not much good in there. I'm I'm, I'm a bad boy. How do we say you're good at it? <laughs> but I mean, bring me bring me some gefilte fish and some vodkas, and then maybe show me your dick, and we'll talk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, that's my weakness right there. Bring me some gefilte, some lucka, some matzah, and I... <laughs> there we go. Um, how do you... So, so you're getting married, which is awesome. How do you feel getting married to another disabled person? Um, how do you feel about the ways... Tell me some of your thoughts on how marriage is treated when we talk about disability. Because like, it's, it's a clusterfuck, the way they treat disabled people both in Canada and the US who want to get married basically it's like oh sorry you want to get married cool your benefits are cut like how do you as somebody who's going into a marriage with another disabled person how does all that make you feel I think that um, how you know there's so many disincentives you know, if you have a disability and you need benefits and health care I mean there's so many disincentives you know for you get ahead period um, and I think for me, you know, one of the reasons, you know, well, my family is from Minnesota, so I had a family here and I reached a point in my life where I wanted to be around family. Um, and so that was a big motivator, but something else that was, you know, a surprise that when I was looking into just the benefits here, um, it was, they're very, very good. And so here in, in Minnesota where I'm at, uh, they have a program called Medical Assistance for Employed People with Disabilities. And you don't lose your benefits. It's just the, what you contribute to them changes depending on your income. And it's always the same percentage. So if your income goes up, it's the same. It's higher, but it's just the same percentage. And so that was something that was, you know, made it easy, you know, for us to say, hey, you know, we could actually do this here and not have to lose, you know, worry about losing our benefits or something bad happening you know yeah i just i wish they would do i wish that overall like that sounds first of all that sounds amazing and i would think that in, in a place like minnesota that that wouldn't be available i would think it would be more like in california that would be something they would have 
Um, but it's good to know that it's out there. I just wish that it was more... That discussions of marriage and disability were more equal across the board. I think that, you know, when I even... When we talked about marriage, that was definitely a big one, was like our benefits or, you know, how do we negotiate this? Is this going to, you know, affect us in any way, you know? And here in Minnesota, it it, it doesn't. That's, I mean... Minnesota is shaping up to be one of the coolest places because not only are you there, but you're also, that is also home to like two of my other favorite podcasts that I listen to. Hey, Wine and Crime, and hey, uh, perhaps it's you. Good people in Minnesota. Good people. Um, Bello, this was such a fun conversation and you're fucking awesome and it was such a good time. Thank you so much for having me. It was, I will have you again, because, and we should seriously talk about getting your own show, because, like, your voice gave me all the boners for that last hour. Um, <laughs> You're making me blush, which is hard, because I'm brown, so I'm probably turning orange, Andrew. That's, oh, no, don't turn into Trump. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Oh, oh no. Um, <laughs> but so how do people get a hold of you, and how can they follow your work? Because you do amazing work, like, work in the written world, and you do really cool stuff with publishing disabled books and how do, like how do people get a hold of you i'm on twitter uh, i'm on facebook um my handle is at belloism b-e-l-o-i-s-m and i'm also on facebook um people could just look me up under bello cipriani um i'm also on instagram um and you know that website has become a lot more accessible so i'm slowly becoming more active there. Do you want to be an Instagram star? Because I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. If that's what you want to do, we'll figure <laughs> it out. If you want to be an Instagay, I'm all about it. Yay! Okay. Fantastic. Bello, it was such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark. Um, we'll talk when I hit stop in a second, but thank you so, so much. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made, by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Udiucci. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, 
and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018